0: Please.
1: Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also, become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. What about the logistics, Robin, of, you know, you guys had 12 people in the band on stage. I mean, that's a lot to handle when you're touring. Was that a challenge? Yeah,
0: you know, we we all got along good, and that's what, what made it easy. Uh, you know, we, we got along good, and that's how we would uh, create a lot. Like, we we bought this Greyhound bus and had it converted. You know, it, it was, like, so comfortable. You know, we each had our quarters in there. And, you know, because we got tired of flying. It's like, God, airports. But as we were going down the highway, that's when we would really create you know somebody would start singing something or somebody would start playing something and then we would all join in and and by the time we get to our destination there's a new song uh and it was like you know you you could we could go out and perform that song uh just from you know our our intervention uh on that bus uh It it really kept us close and tight.
1: So now, which albums were you on? How long were you with the group?
0: I was on, okay, Birthday, then Been Such a Long Time, then Coming From All Ends. That was all under... RCA Uh, Then we Left RCA And went to Buddha Records Where we did Blind Baby So I'm on The Blind Baby album We did one record With Buddha And then We went to Warner Brothers And that's where we did Love Potion so I'm on that one, and uh, RCA had later released uh, a New Birth Disco album, where they, they just remixed some of the, uh, some of the hits, uh, remixed them and called, called it New Birth Disco. This was after we left RCA. So those, uh, let me see if there's any more. Uh, yeah that that's about it but you know once they started uh, these compilations with you know the, the CDs I don't know I can't keep track of how many excuse me those are uh, but those were the main ones uh, and you know it 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 was a span, you know, over the years. Uh, and it, it was, you know, I was so happy, you know, to be on all of them. It's like, my God, I, I got to play actually on every new birth hit. You know, it's, it's me. What a, what a blessing that is.
1: Wow. Um, and Coming From All Ends was a, another great funk record uh, to me. Um, and I mentioned, you know, the hits at the outset, but I want to mention a couple other songs that are some of my funky favorites, Robin, um, Keep On Doing It.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. That song, uh, let me tell you about that song. we That's one of the ones where we came up right on the spot. And it was right after... We all got brand new equipment. Uh, if you listen to Keep On Doing It and listen to... Uh, let's see, Wildflower was on the same album. Yeah. Listen to the drums. There, there's a difference in the drum sound. I got this big monster double bass Gretsch kit. And Keep On Doing It was the first track that I recorded with, with my new grudge kit. And that drum beat is a concept that I had in my head but had never put it in place. You know, I, I wanted this groove where the, the hi hat was kind of like broken up and then a real funky pattern on the bottom. And so, you know, it was like and playing it on that big grudge kit when they, when the engineer played it back I'm like, oh my god, what a difference and that was like right on the spur we, that one we came up with right in the studio and it is one of my favorites uh, absolute favorites
1: well good we're we're on sync on that one um and then uh blind Man is a, a cool like real churchy kind of funk
0: that's right that's right it's it's like that slow gritty just is just that song is super funky uh super funky and you you mentioned coming from all ends. The story behind coming from all ends—that's one that we did right on the spot. The drum beat on uh, coming from all ends. One night after a gig, Diamond and I, from from the Ohio players, well, we were just hanging out, uh, and it's it's weird because we both had rooms in the hotel, and we sat out. Behind um, on the floor outside of one of our rooms. I'll never know why. But anyway, we were talking and Diamond told me, he said, I I heard this drummer at at some club somewhere and he he played this song with the hi-hat opening and closing all the way through the song. And I said, that sounds interesting. And it stuck with me. So when we were cutting Coming From All Ends, that came back to me, and I, and I said, I'm going to try this groove in this song. But, you know, instead of opening it like, tsh, 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 I put two 16th notes. So it was like, but all the way through the song, and it just came out so funky. It's like, God, and I told Diamond, I said, man, I put it on one of our tracks. And he did too on, on one of the Ohio players tracks. Uh so that's how that drum beat came up. And that song was just super funky. Uh
1: yeah. Wow, it's really interesting to hear that you kind of shared notes with Diamond, because he's one of my all time favorite drummers.
0: Oh yeah. Diamond and I are the best of friends. We've we've been friends since the seventies. Uh on that he, same I'm sorry he's good he's amazing
1: on that same record, I washed my hands of the whole damn deal is funky too oh yeah, oh yeah um, were you on uh, behold the mighty Army
0: that album I was not
1: on um,
0: Behold the mighty Army no, no. No, that was um, that was in the late seventies. It was, I I think it probably was the last one of the last. Uh, you know, but no, I was not on that one. That's you know, and by that by the time that album came out, there there were the group had gone through changes. You know uh, sometimes success can <laughs> you know distort things uh, so there there were changes and um, you know it it wasn't like it was in the beginning so no I was not on that
1: one love potion had some sort of um like I don't really want to say experimental, but kind of trying some different stuff on that one. I thought like slow driving. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was there was a combination. Uh, the the recordings on Love Potion. Uh, because actually, on that song, is Nathaniel Neblet. Wait, wait. Which song did you just say?
1: Slow driving.
0: Slow, yeah, yeah. That's Nathaniel Neblet. He was like the original Nightlighter drummer, way you know from the beginning. So they would, they, we would pull him in, you know, from time to time, uh, and that that's him on slow driving.
1: All right, uh, I knew it sounded different from, you know, the stuff you were doing. Yeah. Um, why do you think it is that the New Birth had such success doing covers of songs that weren't always really even that old, you know, but they just put something on it that connected with people again?
0: Yeah. You know, that's, I guess, it's, it's a thing we had because we put into it ourselves, it's like I can understand it uh Bobby Womack recorded the song first and his you know was I think a I'd say a maybe a mild hit but when we did it we did it our way and it 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 had a little bit more fire to it and it just it came out like right? this is new births way of doing it. Uh, it it was just us expressing ourselves as we are and wildflower is another one. Uh, I think the group Skylark maybe yeah. did
1: it yep.
0: yeah and you know it, it was another you know like mild hit but when we did it we did it our way. And it it was it was it was just new birth. We put into it what we felt, and it's you know it it's almost like that song was meant for us to do. Uh, it was it was just cut out for, for, for new birth to do. Uh, it it fit with you know how we looked at a song. And how we could project a song. And so we we just, we did it our way. Uh, and it it just, you know, it, it, it worked like magic. That song became such a big hit. Uh, it was just one of those special songs that just seemed to be cut out for new birth.
1: You know, Wildflower, actually thought, I would have thought maybe it was a number one song or something like that, because in Los Angeles, I mean, they played it to death. um, And that's where I grew up. But it actually, um, when I looked, it showed it peaked at 17. But I think it was a bigger hit than that, if you want to know the truth. Which one? Wildflower.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, It it was real big. It's like, after it became a hit, we could not do a gig without doing wildflower <laughs> people, especially, you know, the women, they would just, they love that song, you know, uh, and they, they just love the way we did it. Um, big hit, big hit.
1: Robin, did you come back to the group for some other stuff they did and the, uh, 80s or beyond or what happened? Yeah, I went back
0: twice. Once was I'd say mid-80s, maybe. Uh, The two vocalists, Leslie and Melvin, Melvin Wilson, uh, they had put something back together and I think I only did a couple of gigs with them and uh, you know i I think it was maybe more like an experiment but um yeah and and then later and the, it was in the nineties i I went back for a short period um and It it was different, because by then, and even the other time in the 80s, it was like I was the only musician from, you know, the heyday, new birth, that was there. So, you know, I would look around, and, you know, I would miss my other bandmates. It's like, goodness, this this is very different. So when I did it in the in the '90s, it was the same thing. Uh, you know, it, it it wasn't the same. It, it, you know, it. I was just we were so tight and so close. It, it just it wasn't the same. Um, so it, I haven't done anything with them since then. Uh,
1: what what happened in the late '70s that? Uh, caused, you know, things to start splintering? Um,
0: It was, I would say, self-destruction from the inside. Um, you know, success can uh, affect, it can affect the closeness. And I think that's what happened. You know, things started to separate, you know, we weren't among all of us, we weren't that family group anymore it, it started to split away and it just you know it, it, the structure just kind of collapsed and I, I think that that's why, you know, we drifted away from that that family feeling
1: And it, you know, just collapsed. And what did you uh, get busy with after that? After that, the first thing I
0: did, I did a European tour with Sylvester. Sylvester, remember, the, the disco, you know, he had some big disco hits. Uh, and so I did, I did a European tour with Sylvester, Sylvester, uh, you know, in the, in the height of the, the disco era, he had, you know, some big hits and his show was so high energy, you know, and I kind of, kind of parallel his show with, with Little Richard's. You know, Little Richard was this high energy rock and roll and Sylvester was high energy disco. Uh, and he, he was amazing. Uh, you know, I don't know if any, a lot of people are familiar with him but he was, I'd say transgender Uh, so one night Sylvester would come out dressed like a man, the next night he'd come out dressed like a woman, and but his show was just amazing. Uh, and uh, you know, and that's that's another comparison, you know, with Richard, they were just so flamboyant, (laughs) yep. Uh, but you know. Two of the best entertainers to
1: come along. Yeah, I remember Sylvester had at least one big hit. To, I don't know if it was to be real or something like that, or, um, but I remember one big hit. Um, but was it a big change for you playing that sort of four on the floor uh, beat compared to you know the other stuff you had been playing on the drums? Oh
0: um, no, it was. It was just, you know, uh. Plan a different style, uh, but you know I enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's like you, know, you never get bored. All of a sudden, I'm doing this, this thing, and it, it was it, you know, so popular. I mean, the audience loved it. They God Sylvester's fans. Uh, you know, we once we fired it up. I mean they were like up and roaring uh so no it it you know playing that that style uh it was fun it was fun um
1: how long did you do that
0: i was with sylvester for about a year then i started playing more locally um I started doing gigs with uh, Richard Berry, the guy that wrote Louie Louie. That was just nothing but fun. Uh, Playing Louie Louie, which was one of my uh, teenage, it was one one of my favorite songs. And uh, Richard knew Danny Flores, who wrote Tequila. Those two songs, when I was growing up, were two of my favorite. So I got to play with Richard Berry and Danny Flores. You know, two of my favorite songs. It's like, this is too good to be true. Uh, and, you know, from from there, um, I just kind of, I went through a, a transition period where because back in the '70s, I used to play at the Drum Circle in Griffith Park on Sundays. Me, me, and my friend, my brother, Vance Mad Dog Tenor, uh, we would play in front of the merry-go-round. You know, and we would get there, you know, nine or ten o'clock by, you know, twelve, one o'clock. We had a big old crowd. there were some kunga players across the street, they would come over and join us. And Vance and I we would just we would play all day long. Uh, and then I, I did that you know, when I would come back in town. And then in the early, like 2001, I got an urge. I said, I'm going to play in the park again. But I don't want to do the drum circle. So I loaded up my drums and I said, I'm going to drive through this park until I find me a spot. And I, I pulled up near this spot and I, I saw this big oak tree. And I said, let me let me go check this out. And I walked back there. It was a perfectly flat dirt area under this big, beautiful oak tree. And I said, I found my spot. I did that for 15 years. Nothing but that. I didn't want any gigs. I would get out there at 5 o'clock in the morning when it's dark. Set up in the darkness, and I would stay out there. I would bring my breakfast, my lunch. I did that for 15 years. Uh, That's all I wanted to do. People would come by and hear me and they would offer me gigs and I said, No, I'm not interested. I you know, this is what I love doing. Uh and it 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 got so good. It's like God being out there bonding with Mother Nature, oh nothing like it. You know, just me and my drums up under this beautiful oak tree. Uh and then, you know, Like I said, I did that for 15 years. I would go maybe three, four times a week and stay out there from sun, sunrise to sunset. Uh, and you know, so many beautiful things happened from me being out there. Uh, I, I got to do a spread with, with Modern Drummer Magazine. And they asked me, they said, where do you want to do the shoot? And I said, up under my oak tree, right here. And on on Saturdays out there, there would be a lot of uh, runners, joggers. Uh, sometimes they were training for the marathon, the LA Marathon. But one one Saturday, this group of runners came back there and they said, man, you know, when we hear your drums, when we're coming around that bend, it, they said we get energy and you 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 push us. And they said you should come out and play at the at the LA Marathon. So I contacted the, the marathon people. They said, Well, send us a tape. And I sent them a tape and I gave them a reference from the runners, and they said, Okay. So I did the marathon for um, like 14 years. What what what, what and I, the L.A. Marathon, and the Orange County Marathon, uh, and that was so rewarding. Uh, and you know, I would play for like a couple hours nonstop, and then take a break, and then play a couple more. Uh, and there was one groove that I would play. I couldn't find a better groove. It's a groove I came up with. And Griffith Park. And that's the only groove I would play at both marathons. And the, the people loved it. It's like, okay. Um, so I did that.
1: And, you know, the park. And then about Well, for those for those who don't aren't familiar with the area, I just wanna uh, let them know that Griffith Park is sort of like you know um, Central Park in New York type of thing. It's a very big, sprawling, uh, greenery area where they have the LA Zoo and they have uh, the Greek Theater. Uh, has concerts that's near there, and um, so and it's situated um, not far from Dodger Stadium.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it's the the park is huge, and. One of the head rangers, wait, the head ranger at that at that time, he passed away about a, oh, a couple, year, yeah, about a year and a half ago. And he would stop by sometimes and chat, and he called the the park a forest. He said, "This is the forest," and I said, "You know, you're right." So that's what I refer to Griffith Park as the forest. It is a forest for sure. Mm.
1: So um, sounds like you found like a Zen type of existence there uh, between the uh, environment and the drums.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and the magic thing, and I have it on, on video. Uh, it's even on YouTube. The deer. One day I looked up, I was playing and I looked up and there was a deer like ten feet away from me and I picked up my camera, I kept playing and I filmed him and he was just he was at peace and it, it made me really feel like I am really a part of this. And he just was sitting there grazing and then he, he, he uh, you know walked away. I thought he was gone and then I turn around, and he was behind me, about about seven feet away from me, just grazing. And I picked the camera up again, and I, I captured all that. And one one day I looked up; it was a whole deer family—the mother, the father, and the baby—right there. I mean, close to me, uh, and it it really made me feel like God. I'm 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 one of them. Uh, I I think they loved the sound of my drums. It was interesting to them.
1: Hmm. Wow. Very, very cool. As you uh, look back, uh, Robin, on the music, do you feel that New Birth uh, gets the credit that they deserve or that they have deserved? And how do you feel about their place in uh, funk soul history?
0: Well, we, we were definitely recognized, uh, you know, in, in a big way. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to say, you know, if they were under, if we were underrated or, but I, I think that we, we covered enough ground where I don't, I don't feel like we were deprived of anything uh, except staying together as a group. Because we did, we did everything. Uh, and uh, I don't feel like we were deprived of anything. Uh, and, you know, just happy and, and proud to have been a part of it.
1: Is there a uh, track or two from their catalog that is your favorite?
0: My favorite. Uh, to narrow it down to one is is very difficult. <laughs> How about uh, up to three? Okay. I would say keep on doing it. Got to get a nut. and
1: coming from all ends. All right. All the good funky stuff. Yeah. 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 Did did so, you get much, did you get much direction in, you know, how you would drum on, on those tracks or did you just kind of come up with it on your own for the most part?
0: For the most part, I came up with it on my own. Uh, I like got to get a nut. It's like, who could tell you to play that? <laughs> I don't know anybody that could, you know, because the song was dissected in so many different places. And there's another song on that album, it's called "You You Are What I'm All About." That drum track is is something to be proud of. Uh, it's, you know, it's I played with okay. a lot of rudiments in there, okay. you know, and the song has these catchy breaks in it, and it was just fun, and I, that's another one. To this day, you know, some of the most famous drummers around talk to me about that song. And I, I have one one drummer used to play with Prince. And he said, I still can't figure out what you were doing. <laughs> I said, oh, you're kidding me. He said, no, I'm not playing on that song. You know, you know, I said, you know, I was just filling in the gaps and hitting it where it should be hit. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, that's another, another good one to listen to. Uh, yeah. So that, yeah, that birthday album, very proud
1: of that. Very. Yes, you should be. Um, for my money, that one and analysis, classics for sure. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. So, what are you up to, uh, nowadays you know what's uh the future hold for you
0: well nowadays well of course because of COVID, it, it shut things down uh but before COVID hit I, I was working locally and i was actually on call with about 12 about 10 or 12 different bands and artists and That's another reason I stopped going to Griffith Park. You know, I I decided to come from under the tree, and then I started taking gigs, and I said, well, you know, I can come to the park every now and then. But I got so busy, uh, you know, and I I would post my gigs on Facebook, so people would see them. One night, you would see me playing with this band, Next night, you'd see me playing with a different band. Next night, with this artist. Next night, with another artist. I, and I built a reputation. You know, this one guy, used to, he said, "Me, you're the, the gig and this drummer, this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> and I, I was just blessed. People, people, Well, one person would call, and then I'd be on this gig, and somebody would hear me. And they say, hey, you know, I got this gig coming up, are you available, and blah, blah, blah. And I just got so busy. And I, I was just very happy. Uh, you know, and the gigs were different. Some nights I would be playing rock. The next night I might be playing blues. The next night I might be playing jazz. The next night I might be playing funk. I even have done a few country and western gigs. So and in between the gigs we we would have jam sessions at different places like like the, the rain the rainbow up in West Hollywood and Petey's place out in Tarzana. Uh, which both places are just oh God. You know, that's where you really have some fun. So, you know, I got so busy, uh, and then, boom, COVID comes in and shuts everybody down. So, you know, it's, it's still pretty much shut down. So, you know, I, I practice, uh, you know, here at home, uh, but, you know, the, when, when things lift up, I will get busy again, uh, because i'm I'm still in touch with you know all these bands and the the artists. and it's it's really it was really fun. It just I never get bored, you know because I'm playing with so many different people. Uh, and it's it's a big blessing to be able to do that. And I love it. I just love it really, really
1: uh, it's fantastic. You still have the passion for it, and you know just all of us are just anxiously waiting for this thing to lift so we can get back to normal life, but also the music you know, the live music
0: that's right I mean it we've never gone through anything like this you know to to have everything just shut down suddenly. Oh, my God. It was like a disaster. It's like we have to get through this so we can get back to the normal. We must.
1: And then make up for some lost time, you know, and get a lot of extra music out there.
0: (laughs) That's right. You know, we're, we're hungry for it. And... You know, the, the audiences and fans are hungry for it. So when things open up again, oh, God, you know, back then Prince had a his song, you know, party like it's 1999. I mean, everyone party like it's 3,099 <laughs> <laughs> or something, you know, it's, it's just going to people are
1: just going to just wow just explode with fun. Do you think you might ever find yourself recording again? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's, uh, you know, it, it will happen. You know, I have some material of my own that I've recorded. Some of it I did back in the 90s. Uh, I've never released it, and uh, but I, I, I know I will. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of time and with whom. Uh, but, yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: Look forward to that. And, um, you know, thank you so much for all the great music over all these years, Robin, and thank you so much for taking the time to share those stories with all the viewers and listeners out there and the fans for all these years.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure and my honor to, uh, to contribute, you know, to your catalog and your journey.
1: Well, I wish you continued, uh, success when we get back to normal and, uh, and stay, stay healthy and safe.
0: Well, you do the same, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll cross paths someday.
1: I hope so. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth in Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers. Joining Truth and Rhythms membership program at Patreon. Submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net. Buying everything is on the one the first guide to funk book at Amazon. Shopping at the Funky Things store. For cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results oriented professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX saying, keep on on vibing to the rhythm of the one.